Welcome to Chucked. I'm Austin Charles with my dad, Charles Braxton. And we are recovering from the weekend and a delusional first half of the season in the NFL uh, for the Cleveland Browns. Um, we're a little lost. I've stayed off of Twitter. Um, that's, uh, that's our version of sackcloth and ashes. Yeah. Staying out of media. Yeah, just to, you know, I mean, there's nothing, I don't, I knew there's nothing to, there's no new news or anything. I know, you know, what, what I know, I know what it's like to have a, to, to have a dismal season. So just stayed away and I felt better because of it. I did the opposite. I went full yeah. metal jacket on just joining the misery. <laughs> so all day Monday, I was, I was in my cave in the basement and all day listening to Cleveland's you know, 92.3, the fan, Cleveland Sports Radio, and just getting more miserable by the minute. <laughs> just, I should have gotten drunk. It would have been probably a better use of my time. Yeah, I'm not a drinker, but should have. Uh, you know, it's just, it's stunning. It's, it's, it's a different level of dysfunction because there's talent now. So, yeah. Uh, I always go back to, I all too vividly in the prime of my life, remember not having a team. So I really do go back to that and go, I'm just glad there is a team. Mm-hmm. I do wish they could be, pr- you could be proud of them, but I think that's the thing is, is there's losing with character. Mm-hmm. And when you're losing and it's character issues, it's immaturity. And it's just, it's, it was, I think all of us, it was our worst fear that the individualism mm-hmm. would get to it. To get to him, I, I was talking with my good friend Arthur McGuire this morning. He shares our passion for the Browns, and I was telling him that uh, Aditi Kikiwala, the NFL gal, she's on um, the fan once a week, and she made a good observation. She says Mike Tomlin is one of those coaches who doesn't believe you need high character people; you just need talent because he can mold them. And she said, "How's that worked for him? One AFC Championship the last five years with." the best receiver in the game, mm-hmm. with the best running back in the game, very possibly, with a Hall of Fame quarterback. Mm. And now that's imploded. Now they're doing well, but they're 4-4. Four and four. You could make an argument. They'd be 4-4 four and four with Anthony uh, or with uh, Antonio Brown, mm-hmm. with Le- Le'Veon Bell, and with Ben Roethlisberger. They're, they might be 5-3, and three, but it's just at the end of the day, man, in a game that is just brutal on your body where your brain wants to take shortcuts, yeah. character matters. And Dorsey... The GM of the Browns, his philosophy is, I'll take, I'll take low-character guys as long as they're talented. We'll make them football players, and we'll see. But, yeah. you know, the, the ship's sinking a little bit right now, and you're starting to see people jumping for their own lifeboats. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, at the end of the day, do cleats make you lose a game in Denver? No. But I am one of those who believe it's, it's the evidence of – a lack of synergy mm-hmm. and uh, maturity, and so, and then Baker with his three mustaches in one day thing <laughs> is just like, oh man, I feel for the guy because it's just he's just not fully formed yet, and he will be, mm-hmm. but his his maturity level just isn't there, and I can't imagine what is he twenty four, twenty three. Yeah, 23, 24. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just can't imagine being in that. I couldn't handle a little dinky church of 100 in Kentucky in the middle of nowhere, you know, mm-hmm. without it getting to me. I can't imagine being that age and, yeah, you know, so. 
So how you doing now? Two days later, after the day after, so there's the day after. I have a 24 hour period where I'm kind of in denial. That's why I wanted to listen to the radio and just mm-hmm. let's face it head on. Let's just get it out. Let's not be in denial. I, we both were afraid. I, there's no guarantee they're going to win this game at Denver. No. There, I mean, there, I, as a matter of fact, if you made me bet, I would have bet that they wouldn't, mm-hmm. uh, especially cover the spread. But um, yeah. So uh, how are you? It's Wednesday as of this recording. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you start getting to the halfway through the week, you start looking forward to the next game and just having some some hope there. Um, Ball, Buffalo's but, a better team. They're yeah, a better football team. Yeah, they are. So, uh, I mean, it's it's shocking that you're this far into the season and we haven't won a home game yet. You know, that's... that's uh, The Cavs have won wild. as many games as the Browns have. It's yeah. November, and the Cavs have won as many games as the Browns have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's really disappointing. Um, I mean, I, it's still ha- only halfway through the season, and we could the season could really end on a really high note. Yeah, I mean, it really. Could. I expect it to actually. Um, I think the the biggest thing it has against it in that sense is, um, you know, if anything, obviously less than. I mean, if we have a worse record than no matter what in, no we end on, if we have a worse record than we did last year, I mean, it's. Uh, it's 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 going to be hard to end on a good. Yeah, note. it is. You know? I will say this: even if we really do, what, end what on do a good you think note. about this? Four and two in the division is a positive. Sure. Yeah. If if they could go four and two in the division, that's a positive. I don't think they beat Pittsburgh twice. I don't think they beat Baltimore again, but they could sweep the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, right now I wouldn't trust them to do that, but they could sweep the Bengals. Um, they made a quarterback in Denver. Looked like Johnny Unitas the other day and never started a game anymore. So I don't trust that the Bengals won't find a way to mm-hmm. to beat all the, the Bengals are terrible. They're terrible. I mean, you you could put them. It would be a battle of misery to put them against the zero and sixteen Browns. They're they're hmm. they're definitely on course for that. They are not good. Hmm. They are not good. But I think the character. Like, we everybody talks about the offense of the Browns, but the defense has been for me a much bigger disappointment. Mm-hmm. Much bigger. I mean, I, I'm just, I just. They did have a, the first half of the first quarter of the season, and maybe a game extra, did carry them though. You know, I mean, they they, they did. did, and that was without their two starting cornerbacks. Yeah, I feel like they got coached up a little bit, and that was when Garrett was making plays. And um, did so he play it, against Denver? It didn't seem like it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, did he play? It yeah. was just, he dropped that interception, which wouldn't have counted because we had a holding call anyway, mm-hmm. which that's the story of the season. But mm-hmm. hey, folks, we hope we've cheered you up so far today because uh, <laughs> misery loves to bring other people down, you know? So, yeah. Anyhow, yeah. on to other things. Uh, a lot of other things going on. Buckeyes are number one in the first college football playoff, which means da 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 da, zero. <laughs> Remember, they were ranked 14th in, in 14. 14th well, or 15th. well, they're going to beat Maryland this weekend by 50, and whoever wins the LSU-Alabama game will be number one, and yeah, Ohio State will yeah, be number two. Right. Just, right. Yeah, it means absolutely I love Kim Carman said this morning, he said, mark it down, by the fourth quarter, Gary Danielson's going to say, Brad, I don't know how, fill in the blank, whoever's ahead, is not the number one team in the country. Mm-hmm. You just fill it in. I, I'm a cynic enough to believe. That if LSU Alabama were on ESPN or ABC this weekend, Ohio State wouldn't have been ranked number one. They'd have been three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you got, CBS you got, has that game. And you got Penn State going to Minnesota. <laughs> that's right. And, that's yeah. right. And I, I, it's a show. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, it's a television show that wants yeah. to get ratings. And it's only worth it has that, is, is maybe motivation or 
um, some kind of mental effect on, you know, these are 19-year-old kids. So I think that's the only effect maybe it does have is uh, could it get to the head of Ohio State's team that they're number one and cause them to slip up down the road short? Does it provide Clemson to get it into gear since they're not, you know, yeah. that's the only effect. And that's pretty. That's a pretty big effect. And it's but. a mini what the Browns were. And we, I, we said this before the season. There's winning, and then there's winning with expectations. That's a totally different kind of winning. And now Ohio State, everybody said Michigan's going to be the team in the Big Ten this year. And Ohio State, you look historically, they always play great when they're ranked low at the beginning of the season. Always. They've, I, don't think, I don't think they've ever won a national championship. Maybe in 68 when they were ranked number one. It just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So there's winning, and then there's winning when you're number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a di- it's a, just a different deal. So it's a miniature expectations issue with a really young team. They're still very young, you know. So so there's that. That was you know that was kind of neat to see. That um, I was surprised by it to some extent. I thought yeah. they'd be number two. I thought yeah. LSU would be number one. But um, yeah, the numbers don't lie. I mean they're they're legitimately mm-hmm. good. I said it was the eye test too. Everyone's favorite. Uh, I love what Urban said the other Tool day. On for the, ranking. Uh, yeah, he said, if I hear that phrase one more time, I'm going to explode because it's from his. He said it's so illegitimate. It just, mm-hmm. it just doesn't tell reality at all. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, if Clemson plays Wofford, they look unbeatable. Because mm-hmm. it's all football players out there, right? No, 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 no. Travis Atn, he what did he run for over 200 and some yards on eight carries and. Mm-hmm. Just looks unbelievable. There's no credibility in that. None, zero, nada. Mm-hmm. Not that Clemson doesn't deserve credit, but yeah. uh, for being a great team. But yeah, so mm-hmm. so anyhow, we've wasted uh, ten minutes talking about nothing. So that's ten yeah. minutes of your life, Chucksters and Chuckettes, that you will never get back, <laughs> uh, unless you're a Browns fan, which I know. I know we have our we have there. our Chucksters and Chuckettes who are Browns loyalists. So mm-hmm. this is for you. You are not alone. Yeah. So anyhow, take us away, Oz. Uh, well, one thing that happened, this I wish uh, we had like an audio clip of it, uh, but one thing, and I haven't seen the follow-up of it, especially with her employment at the company, um, the American Broadcasting Company, but Amy Robach and her, Robach, Robach yeah. um, a journalist anchor for uh, ABC, Morning America 2020, um, she... Kim, if you didn't see it this week, she um, got caught on a hot mic, um, air quotes, hot mic uh, situation where she was kind of going on and complaining, I mean, very, very much in disgust that she had found out this, the, all the, she had investigated and, and, and come out with all the details on uh, Jeffrey Epstein three years ago. But long story short, in her hot mic few minutes, um, where she kind of explains it all and with her arms crossed and disgust. Um, she came out with a story and wanted to run it. And her her superiors at ABC said, who's Jeffrey Epstein? That's a, that doesn't matter. No one cares. Um, also, there's too much of a tie to the royal family. And we, oh, and, Prince and, Andrew's involved. And Will, and Kate, Will and Kate interviews are coming up, and we want those more, and this will hurt that. And, and so they squashed the story and said, you can't run it. And then she says in the in the hot mic moment, all this comes out recently, and she said that's my story. That's my that I knew all that three years ago. I knew I she had interviews with girls that were um, that were victims. She just so much, and uh, so um, 
I mean, there's a, there's a million things to, to, to talk about um, from that. Uh, one of the things that one of the things I first thought of, you know, um, and some know that uh, I think I think the greatest television of all time is the first four episode, for first four seasons of The West Wing, the Aaron Sorkin mm-hmm. seasons of The West Wing. And uh, for me, um, I, I, it's the incredible pastoral and leadership lessons that come from. Um, Josiah Bartlett, President Bartlett, uh, that I learn. I feel like every time it's just a, it's just a it's a it's a masterclass on how to treat people when you're an authority figure. It's a masterclass mm-hmm. on how to um, to be tough and tender. Um, uh, it's it's just oh every time you watch The West Wing, it's just too bad this guy's fiction because it's boy this yeah. is the best president to yeah you watched um, it. But anyway, this this week this has happened. And this there was a there was an episode I was rewatching it. Um, it's usually what I do on Fridays, and um, an episode came up. Uh, I forget what the episode's called, um, but it's in—I think it's in season four—and uh, where this um, Air Force pilot, this woman, has an affair and is facing um, dishonorable just dis- discharge. And uh, women activists want Bartlett to get involved and stand up for her, where he's not supposed to interfere with mil- these military um, commands. And it's just, it's a very politically intense situation. And so, in, so I wanted to share this in, in, in vain of, uh, um, I think the sentiment is not avoiding, um, well, as they would put it, the sticky situations. And so the dialogue between Leo, his chief of staff, senior chief of staff, and um, Josiah um, Bartlett, President Bartlett, um, goes like this. Leo, Josh saw me yesterday about the Vicky Hilton, who's the Air Force pilot, about Vicky Hilton, Bartlett. You think we should get involved? No, but you're going to have problems with the women, Bartlett. Abby and the girls, his wife and daughters. No, Bartlett, the women? Yes. Because i got to tell you, I've been hearing it from uh, Abby and the girls as well, Leo. Well, I'm sure. Bartlett. Well, what do you think, Leo? It stays out of the Oval Office, Bartlett. No, I mean about Vicki Hilton. And they walk into the Oval Office. Leo. She disobeyed an order. You can't do that, Bartlett. Sure, but isn't there some question as to whether it's practical to give that order, order in the first place? Leo. You want pilots overruling their superiors with regard to what's practical and what's not? Bartlett. No, I'm just saying there are a few sides to this, Leo. That's for sure. And you just heard mine, Bartlett. But we'll hear, hear no others because we don't want that in the Oval Office, Leo. Right. Bartlett. Okay. Anything else? Leo. No. Thank you, Mr. President. Leo goes into his office. Bartlett looks in the direction. Um, he kind of does a few orders of business. Bartlett looks up to his assistant, his aide. He's wrong, you know. Leo's wrong. Are we to live with the assumption that there are no men in the service who've committed adultery? I don't know what's worse, being stupid or pretending to be stupid. Tell him that, Charlie. Yes, sir. Bartlett. No, I'm going to do it. Bartlett storms into Leo's office where he disrupts a meeting. Bartlett. Eisenhower and Kay Summersby, a subordinate. Hammond and the wives of two junior officers. So G.I. Jane gets a court-martial and G.I. Joe gets a short film on hygiene. That's all I have to say at you. Points. 
Bartlett storms back into the Oval Office. Charlie, feel better, sir? Bartlett, I forgot to tell him one thing. Bartlett begins to walk back into Leo's You're office. Pretty good Martin Sheen invitation. There, <laughs> but Leo comes back into the Oval Office carrying a book. Leo, the Uniform Code of Military Justice, Article 134, which exists to ensure that soldiers will risk their lives for each other. I think you'll agree with that. Without that, there isn't much point in having our Articles 1 through 1 through 33. Nobody ordered Eisenhower to stop seeing Miss Summersby. Bartlett, that's right, because men don't give that order to other men. Leo, excuse me, but did you not fire ambassador to somewhere in South America? I can't remember because he was messing around with Bartlett, the daughter of the president of Brazil, which presented a political problem for me. Also, I didn't fire him. I asked him to resign, and I set him up with a private in the private sector. And if you think the difference is semantics, look up dishonorable discharge in there. Look up Fort Leavenworth. Nancy, sir, it's the secretary general again. Bartlett, yeah, but... And there's a phone call that came in. But do you really think that Vicki Hilton is unable to distinguish between this order and a combat order? Leo, this was a combat order, order, sir. They're all combat orders. When you give a guy, when you order a guy to go fight, the guy can't think it's because you're sleeping with his wife. Bartlett, you're right. Leo does a double take. Leo, that's an unusual phrase for you, sir. Did you just learn it? Bartlett, well, you didn't let me finish. <laughs> Leo, I had a hunch. Bartlett. I may also be right. We get five more people in here, and I think we're going to have eight opinions. Leo, that's right. Bartlett, so let's. Leo, it's the Pentagon. Bartlett, and two elections in a row, and people said they wanted me to run that. Leo, there are issues of chain of command and command of influence, sir. Bartlett, right now, I'm not talking about overruling anyone or pardoning anyone. Right now, I'm just talking about having people over and asking questions. See, I like basketball, but I can't play. I don't know why, but I played in prep school, and I liked being a part of the team. But I didn't want the ball, and the coach would tell me, Jed, winners always want the ball. I said, Coach, winners are also better than I am. He said, Son, to be a winner, you have to think like a winner. I said, Coach, to be a winner, you also have to be better than I am. Anyway, he was right. Winners want the ball. I don't ever want to hear that something is too sticky of a situation for the Oval Office. Are we going to get together on this, or do we have anything resolve? We've got four years, no election, and a Republican Congress that hates me and actually hates you more. You ready to saddle up? Leo, I serve at the pleasure of the president. Wow. And that's one of the main things I thought of in this, especially concerning your position and the church, and I think maybe conversations we've been having recently of, of culture and, and whatnot. But, um, it, you know, there's so many moments in the West Wing that just give you chills. Yeah. And, it's, and I can't even get into that, the justice of the dialogue back and forth between Leo and, and Bartlett. But, um, but when he says that, I've just, you got, you know. Didn't he write the newsroom too? Sorkin did, yeah. 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 yeah um, incredible. Writer. Winners won the ball. Yeah. You know, ABC News. You know, they they didn't want the ball. They didn't want the ball until it was, until it was you know, popular to want the ball. Yeah, yeah. So what do you what do you think of that little little illustration from old old Jeb? Yeah. You know, it's it's funny. Always in leadership, you're battling big picture and immediate picture. So you're battling for us with cultural issues. We have to constantly frame: Is this a biblical issue? Mm-hmm. And then the big picture is, does it lead someone to an accurate view and understanding of the life in Christ? Because you know, the phrase gets used. Well, the whole point is to lead them to Jesus. Well, you can lead them to a Jesus that's not real. It's not accurate in any way. 
So we're here, for example, and I think you mentioned the other day, there are people who like listening to Chuck because there are things that I would say here because our purpose in this is different mm-hmm. uh, than what we're trying to achieve on the weekend of being an introduce, introducing agent to Christ, to the scriptures, revelation of Christ. And uh, you, you do, you have to constantly think of that. Um, and I, I weigh it every day. You know, abortion is so personal for me. I, 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 I'm constantly strategizing how to leverage the law of love into that arena, mm-hmm. for example. Is that a sticky issue? Yeah, but I, I have no reservation talking about it. I think you could over-talk about it and you start missing the big picture of Christ first, but it's so relevant to our culture today. And the and the death we have a death culture here. You know we have one end of the spectrum that embraces killing people because they're in, you know on death row, and you have another end of the spectrum that killing people because they're not children until they're out of the womb. And it's it's both ends are a death culture. Mm-hmm. So we weigh that out. I'm weighing that out as you know right now. You know what's going to be our expression of. It's a real understatement to say Jesus was for life. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. I don't think he'd be for the death penalty, and I don't think he'd be for abortion at all. And I know that because his early followers, the first followers, were pro-life. They were, mm-hmm. you know, they were clearly pro-life. So, uh, yeah, weighing that all the time. If I shared my opinions on things, I I would, I'd have people going, "Yay!" and uh, I'd lose a, a lot of the audience to hear what Christ can do in your life to transform you from the inside out. So. Mm-hmm. It's, it's sticky. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not black and white. And yeah, if you get flippant and glib, you can you can lose your listeners. Mm-hmm. And and more than ever in this environment. And uh, so you have you, you, you know I. I remember watching that show, and we probably watched, I think, the first three seasons or something, and just every week the leadership issues that were emerging. I mean, you, you've said so much about it in the recent year that I, it makes me want to watch it again uh, because they're just the leadership issues and the leadership issues. That's a great summary of what you hear so often in this incredible dialogue. So, yeah, we're weighing it out, as you know. Uh, one of the books I'm reading right now is Destroyer of the Gods by James Hurtado. He's a professor at Baylor University, and he makes a very clear, a really compelling argument for the five characteristics of the first church. They were r- the first multicultural movement in history, embracing no Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor free. Unbelievable how radical that was. They had a radical commitment to the poor that opposed mm-hmm. Pax Romana, the Roman peace. The, they were, the poor and the sick were discarded, and the, and the followers of the Nazarene, the way, took them in. Number four, that's the first two. Number four was they were um, uh, committed to opposing infanticide and abortion and then taking care of babies, so they were very pro-life. And number five they had a radical sexual counterculture in a world of temple worship that included prostitution and pedophilia. And uh, they, they, they were committed to one man, one woman in marriage. 
And the middle one is, of course, the radical one. Because the first two are seem leftist. Mm-hmm. The those last two seem very right. But the middle one is the radical thing. They never retaliated. Never retaliated. And, you know, Stephen, the first martyr. For mm-hmm. other forgive them, for they know not what they do. A clear connection to the cross. And that, as, well, as you know, is just, you, you and I are having these discussions right now. How do we... How do we flesh that out? Because just even that simplistic, potentially simplistic five-point summary mm-hmm. communicates my kingdom is not of this world. It, it's, it's above it. it. Even by the fact that the first two seem very left and the second, last two seem very right, and the middle one is neither. <laughs> like both of them retaliate. You know, so mm-hmm. that you talk about radical. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're weighing that out right now. Those every one of those presents sticky situations. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the first two not so much, which is an evidence of the Christianization of our culture. That's great that we we have this. You know, if a church embraces multiculturalism and and uh, caring for the poor, there's nothing radical about that today. If you don't, you are irrelevant. Mm-hmm. That's that's awesome because I can, as you've heard me many times at Christmas, I can make the argument if that baby's not born. It may have happened that the poor were cared for, but it hadn't happened in the world to that point. At that point, and it still exists today in caste systems, mm-hmm. poor have no value. <laughs> mm-hmm. Poor had no value to Rome. You couldn't, you couldn't contribute to the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, the Roman empire. So you had no mm-hmm. value. Little girls didn't have value. They could be di- thrown in the ditch. Mm-hmm. But the Christians, the, you know, the little Christ said, no. Let the little children come to me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's so. I for our listeners, we weigh it every day. Every day, we're weighing that out, and how do we strategically, for example, in this reading right now, flesh out our thoughts and practices? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, in wise measure. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, I, I appreciate you reading that. Uh, that really good job, though. I mean, seriously, good Martin. I, there was a, I heard Martin Sheen in that. <laughs> Who's Leo? Who played Leo? Oh, it's his name. You'd, you'd recognize was it Josh? Uh, forget his name. Um, yeah, I forget his name. Was it the guy who was in the? Because uh, that one guy that East was Coast accent, um, kind of a smoker's voice. Um, well, yeah, because there was a guy, the guy that was the, one of the technicians in the most recent Godzilla movie. He was in West Wing. I don't think that was Leo. No, that's that was uh, that's Josh. Josh Lyman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deputy Chief of Staff. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I just loved their dialogue when they got into yeah. it, man. Those two, it just as actors. Toby Ziegler. Oh, yeah, man. yeah. Sam Seaborn, Rob Lowe. Yeah, and then the best, um, Allison Janney. Allison Janning. Uh, yeah, Kettering um, Native. Claudia Jean. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, we're weighing that every day. You have to, you 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 know, you and I have been talking a lot about the the counter catechism that he that um, Keller spoke of. Tim Keller spoke of that your children are being catechized when. And I love how he did such a good channeling of this. Tim Keller was talking to Dallas Theological a few weeks ago in an address you and I both listened to. And um, when Elsa in Frozen is about let it go, there's no rules for me. Let it go. Let it go. I mean, th- th- the line is totally the worship of autonomy. The individual is what matters. 
There's no governing authority in your life. You know, and I, I think sometimes we can be guilty of reading too much into lyrics. Oh, no, it's over. Your child is being catechized into your only authority is the autonomy of self. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's this call that we truly have to counter-catechize. Oh, David Bowie, when I listened to that talk, I thought it was a David Bowie quote that came at a particular time in history, and probably um, uh, implicitly so, I guess, um, change of the 70s to the 80s. And, you know, even as wild as, as the, the jazz and beat generation and then into the, the hippie generation and the psychedelic generation, there was still this search for that external truth. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was still this, mm-hmm. I'm not right, I'm going to go find something. That, yeah. And it, it, was, and it that, was still based on feeling, but it was yeah. still a, a, a search to something outside of oneself. Now it's And then totally David Bowie in said oneself. in the late 70s, he says, it's not about finding yourself, it's about creating yourself. And that's such an interesting time that came in and going into the 1980s when consumerism really kicked in and and the self really began to be pronounced in society and until and the day um, we're at today where his words seem prophetic and, and that it, it, it that it that culture is about um, finding or creating oneself as opposed to even finding oneself yeah and uh, and as Tony Campolo said no one ever finds themselves in Cleveland <laughs> it's always in the Bahamas mm-hmm. the Cayman Islands <laughs> that yeah. they find yeah I I you know, I mean, you heard me say once, you heard me say it a dozen times as you were growing up, Oz, happiness in life is not found in self-expression. Mm-hmm. It's found in self-sacrifice. That's where life is found. Mm-hmm. If you want to find your life, he said, you will lose your life for me in the gospel. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the, the totally otherness of that, it is so diametric to Elsa singing you know, I am my own truth. It is hard to put into words the utter juxtaposition of that. Mm-hmm. And that's why I am a big believer in what Dr. Frank Turek said. Uh, I think he was quoting someone, but I mentioned it yesterday in staff meeting that it is impossible to make the gospel relevant to someone who's not ready to surrender. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you're not, it's just, it just makes no sense. It is, mm-hmm. you know, the way up is down. Mm-hmm. The way to get is to give. The way to be great is to serve. I mean, it's just if you're not ready for that, and um, which part of that first, the first church, the the, the largest demographic we now know that uh, it was they were slaves. I mean, yeah. the largest you know, yeah. the the first Christians were they were not um, the people that got it. Four out of five were were slaves. That's right. There were churches where slaves were elders mm-hmm. over wealthy patriarchs. Who were mm-hmm. they're, they were serving alongside each other. What what a what a beautiful counterculture. And mm-hmm. you know, my dream was to build a church. You know, I, as you know, I came out of college and mm-hmm. my I, I very clear. I've gotten to live my dream, but I haven't achieved it yet. I'm still, I mean, for me, I'm still working because I I still think we can get there. I do. I still think we can get to man. We go wow. That is a countercultural movement that ennobles the human spirit that surrenders to the authority of God in Christ. And I know I still haven't given up on that. And that and I think more than ever, the light of that, as the caves is getting darker, is, is, is going to shine even brighter, especially the one that appeals to me about they never retaliated. Oh, my gosh, you want to be radical? Mm-hmm. Don't get 
don't get on the bumper of someone who cut in front of you. Don't, you know? Mm-hmm. Forgive someone who's offended you. Serve alongside someone who hurt you because you're working through forgiveness. And just the various ways, that's radical. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the way. As, as, as a Hurtado who said, that the, the answer isn't be other than. We're going to be totally different. We're just going to separate ourselves from those impure pagans. The, 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 the answer isn't be just like. We're just going to be just like. We're just we're, we're going to introduce you, but we're going to be no different in character. We're going to be no different in mm-hmm. anything. That the solution is a faithful presence, mm-hmm. even in any sticky issue. No question that the the call on everyone is a faithful presence, and uh, that's our calling. So, um, I want you Chucksters and Chuckettes to pause for a moment and know there is. I'll, I'll lay money on this, and you can check back with me. There is no other podcast happening in the world today that has the Cleveland Browns and the phrase counter-catechism used. Okay, so you, there, there, I will lay money down. If you can find it, mm-hmm. I will pay you good money to find another podcast that has the, the Browns. The Browns do need a counter-catechism for this coming... They need a cultural catechism. For the coming decade. That's right, they do. Until next time on Chucked, this is Charles Braxton with Austin Charles. Have a great week. And please, Browns, beat the Bills. Yeah.